0: Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
2: I'm Listening is Odyssey's commitment to mental health conversations. If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, depression, anxiety, or mental illness, help is available. Call or text 988 to reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. That's 988. Today we are reflecting on the 10-year anniversary of the City of Detroit declaring municipal bankruptcy. So, how are Detroiters feeling a decade later?
0: Everything's looking good here in Detroit. I am proud to be a Detroiter, born and raised.
2: A lot of retirees
0: lost more than $10,000 because of the city bankruptcy.
2: The only thing more complex than the bankruptcy itself is the way folks feel about it now. This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. Cities are always competing to have the biggest or the most of something, right? Well, on July 18th of 2013, Detroit became the largest U.S. city in history to file for bankruptcy. The city's debt was estimated to be up to $20 billion, and the city's services were in shambles. Detroit was able to exit bankruptcy in December of 2014, but that was not the end of it. This podcast is not about why Detroit went bankrupt. This is about how much better off is Detroit now compared to then. Here is Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan. It's been a process. Uh, First, we got people to start moving
3: out. Then we got people to start fixing up the abandoned houses here. And in the last three or four years, you've seen a lot of new construction in the north end. But, you know, 10 years ago, most of the storefronts over at Grand Boulevard and Woodward were vacant. I mean, there were no jobs up here. Now that
2: area is booming and and it's spreading to the neighborhoods. That's a great thing. So the mayor sees improvement. No surprise there. In fact, you'd hope he'd say that. And some Detroit citizens, people like Karen Jones, they see it that way too. Just what do you think, gut reaction? Is Detroit better off today than it was
0: 10 years ago when it filed? Because why? Absolutely. Things are improving. More Detroiters are, are, are improving. They're having businesses. I think we're just doing great. The city's looking great. We have more people coming here to visit. Everything's looking good here in Detroit. I am proud to be a Detroiter, born and raised. Do you think bankruptcy helped Detroit? I have mixed reviews about that, Charlie. I really do. But in the long run, I think we're doing okay.
2: But what about the now-retired City of Detroit employees? Many of those employees took huge hits to their pension as part of what was called the grand bargain that ultimately led Detroit out of bankruptcy. Theragar Moo is one of those former city employees. He spoke with WWJ's Dan Jenkins.
0: I started out as a sanitation driver. I went to the water department, got laid off from the water department. My last
2: position
0: was with street maintenance. I was a machine operator, and I wound up being a uh, trainer for the city of Detroit.
2: So now you're retired, right, from the city, and you say that there's no retirement from the city post bankruptcy, is that right? Exactly. So, what are you doing now?
0: I drive a commercial vehicle.
2: And so, obviously, you know, looking back 10 years since the bankruptcy, it's left a lot of people in some tough spots, right?
0: Yes, it did. A lot of senior retirees that have retired lost more than $10,000 because of the city bankruptcy.
2: We're trying to figure out, following Detroit's bankruptcy, if the city is better off today than it was a decade ago. Karen said yes pretty quickly, but there was a hard no. Dr. Peter Hammer is a Wayne State law professor and an expert on socioeconomic issues here in Detroit. He joined WWJ Morning anchor Jackie Page to share his thoughts.
0: Now that it has been 10 years, obviously we've seen that the city itself, the city proper, is doing much better. But what about the overall city, in your opinion? Yeah, you have to ask
1: sort of uh, three different questions. You know, who's been benefited, uh, who's been burdened, and and who gets to decide? And when you do that, you see the very sort of disaggregated impact. Uh, You look at the neighborhoods, they're not much better. You look at some statistics like, you know, life expectancy and and all the health disparities we had that were revealed in COVID, we're not making progress on those. So while, you know, developers uh, downtown who get large public subsidies might be better off, uh, average Detroiters, particularly the pensioners that you were talking about, uh, certainly are not.
2: Nobody is going to make the argument that Detroit's bankruptcy was perfect. But people like Doug Bernstein say this was never supposed to fix everything. Doug is a bankruptcy expert with the Bloomfield Hills law firm Plunkett & Cooney.
3: There are challenges, much like as would be true with any major city. So the bankruptcy provided a 10-year hiatus for the city to fund pensions. And that ends effective july 1 2023 so now the city will have to start making contributions for the pensions which it didn't have to do as a result of the bankruptcy but the other thing too is the city's credit rating is much higher its bond rating is much higher and the city has also been able to do a much better job in collecting taxes so it's better than it was 10 years ago. Is it perfect? Absolutely not, and it won't be perfect. That really is an unreasonable expectation for the bankruptcy. It's not a cure-all.
2: The pensions have been a sticking point, which makes sense. People based their future plans on that money, and to have it just taken away would be disastrous, as you heard from Thayer. But the pensions were still kept in place despite being ransacked. And that's something doug bernstein says could have been a lot worse
3: there was discussion back then about why keep the pensions alive why not just shift completely to a 401k and i recall talking to kevin or about wanting to be able to afford some benefit to prospective employees in hindsight was that a good decision i really don't know but that clearly was one area that was open for discussion Uh, the mayors talked about collective bargaining agreements maybe you can do better maybe it went as far as you could go at the time but again hindsight's a wonderful thing in the scheme of the very few municipal bankruptcies that there have been detroit fared way better than virtually anybody else
2: Detroit has a bustling downtown and the waterfront has been redeveloped to much acclaim. But that only addresses a portion of a city that's over 140 square miles. Dr. Hammer from Wayne State's Law School says the neighborhoods have not gotten the attention they need dealing
1: with water shutoffs is a public health emergency, dealing with tax foreclosures is is an economic and social crisis. We've had so much mass displacement of people in the last 10 years since the bankruptcy, that has all sorts of trauma. If kids have to move schools, kids have to relocate, that's a a huge impact both on their their individual health and development, but the entire family. And and those are not issues that get talked about enough. The first best thing we did was get rid of emergency managers for the schools. I mean, that was an absolute disaster in terms of, of education and also in terms of finances. And so I think there's still a whole lot more work that needs to be done structurally on educational policy, particularly what was proposed by the Coalition for the Future of Detroit School Children. You got to rationalize charter schools in terms of who gets to open and when they're closed. But the schools are better that they're not under emergency management. And I think that's unambiguous.
2: And Dr. Hammer is not discounting the improvements made, but he thinks the root issues have gone unaddressed. And as a result, he worries those problems will continue.
1: We look at these issues through a lens of spatial structural racism, which means you really have to know why the municipal distress happened in the first place. And it's a result of jobs uh, leaving. It's a result of industry leaving. It's a result of racial segregation at a regional level. Detroiters pay the highest taxes in the state and some of the highest taxes in the, in the country. And nothing about the bankruptcy addressed some of these underlying structural causes. So we might have gotten an infusion of cash as a result of, of COVID uh, and the federal funds from that, but we could still be sitting on a, on a very fragile system as it relates to people's uh, social welfare.
2: If you ask Fair, though, things could not get much worse for people like him.
0: I get uh, 1600 a month once I get to past a certain age, that money drops. So I'm working so I can help myself with Social Security to pick up at least until the age of 70 and beyond so I can get at least about $3,000 a month.
2: Do you keep touch with any other retirees who are going through similar struggles?
0: Oh yeah, I talk to them all the time. A lot of them, they picked up jobs. We put in our retirement, guess what? We need that money back. It's not our decision. The employees are paying dearly. We employees shouldn't be paying because of somebody else's stupidity.
2: This episode underscores something wildly important. Detroit's bankruptcy is insanely complex. We'll have more on this on Friday's Daily J. But instead of living in the present, we'll hop in the time machine and see what Detroit might look like in the future thanks to the 2013 bankruptcy declaration. Today's big thanks goes out to my WWJ colleagues for all their reporting. Charlie Langton, Dan Jenkins, John Hewitt, and Jackie Page. Check out WWJnewsradio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Do you want the Daily J delivered right to you? All you have to do is text WWJ to 20357 and you'll get it instantly. Message and data rates may apply. I'm Zach Clark. And this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?